So have you ever been lost? Raise your hand if you've been lost. Driving, uh, you've been, anybody ever, was anybody, was anybody ever lost as a kid? Anybody ever lost as a kid? Yeah, do you remember that, being lost? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a scary feeling, isn't it, to be lost, to feel lost. I decided uh, as we were getting ready to do this series and as we we're looking at these parables this morning, I decided to go do a Google search. And I Google searched feeling lost in life. Quote, feeling lost in life. There are over 700,000 Google links just from feeling lost in life. A lot of people are feeling lost. Some of the results that, I, uh, that stood out to me on the first page only, uh, seven tips to finding yourself, what to do when feeling lost, 15 powerful ways to change when feeling lost, eight reasons people feel lost. Being or feeling lost is not part of God's dream for humanity. It's not part of the dream that God has for you or for me or for all of humanity. And we talked about that last week, that the kingdom of God could be, see, we could, instead of saying kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we could call it the dream of God. And the dream of God is beyond our imagination. It's bigger than we could ever imagine. That In creating our world, God wasn't dreaming about the world that we're currently living in. That God wasn't dreaming about prisons when God was creating our world. God wasn't dreaming about kidnappings or wars or child abuse or racism or greed or poverty or exploitation. That was never in God's mind when he was putting our world together. That's not the dream of God. God never dreamed of a world that we're currently living in with the bipolar nature of our politics. God never dreamed of mass shootings. God never dreamed of the heartache that we experience in our world. He never dreamed of the trauma that people experience. And we see as uh, Steve was praying on the news and the images that we see, that when we have broken relationships, when we bring harm to others, or when we bring harm to ourselves, we are, more, we are living a nightmare. We're not living God's dream. That this is not God's dream for our world. And I would suggest that God's dream for our world does not include lostness either. Because when we're lost, we ask questions like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I get to where I was headed? Feeling lost is hard. And being lost is disconcerting. And all of us, if we were in our most honest moment, would agree that there have been times where we have wondered, how did I get to this place? How did I end up here? And when we have that questioning spirit, that's when we begin to realize we're lost. But yet, as followers of Christ, we believe, we believe that God has a dream for you and for me. That God has a dream for this community, the church. And when we choose to gather together and live out God's dream, the world gets to see a glimpse of what God's dream for the world could look like. That we are this living and breathing example as a community of faith of what God's dream for the world could look like. 
that God has a dream for us. And feeling lost is not part of that dream. So Jesus told a lot of stories, right? He, we, we're doing this series over the next, over the rest of the summer, uh, that that looking at these stories that are called parables. And parables are more than just stories, and they're more than stories that just happen to be really good object lessons. There's more to the story than that. These are stories that are uh, used to teach, but they taught what was beyond belief. They were bigger than we could imagine kind of stories. They, they were stories with, that had meaning beyond belief, that Jesus was introducing this brand new worldview, that he was introducing a different way for people to do life, a different way for, for, for us to do life. He was, he was offering a way to reorient life. He didn't tell these stories to make us good churchgoers. But to be a whole, but to create people who could live a whole new way of living, living this dream that God has. It's, and what Jesus was offering was a contrary view to how the world and how society and how culture was living. So, one of Jesus' most famous stories is the story that Randy and Christina read to us this morning. And I have to confess that if I were to list the stories that I have preached on the most in my career as a pastor, it has to be Luke chapter 15, where those three stories are sitting. That I have preached those stories and talked about those stories, and anytime there's an opportunity, I volunteer to preach those stories. Matter of fact, this week uh, in Voorhees, Pastor Heather is preaching, and when Jeff and I meet uh, to go over the message, we meet every week, uh, Pastor Jeff and I, and we kind of go through the series and look at what we preaching and we always talk about what ideas we had and he said i'm not preaching this week and i said how did you miss out on luke 15 like you don't pass that one up jeff and he went i know i didn't realize it either because this is the story that pastors love to preach right brother we love to preach this story. well i'm going to get some amens and i'm pretty excited about that okay <laughs> you have no idea all right <laughs> So most of you, I assume, have heard these stories before. If you haven't, let me tell you, if there's a page in the Bible that I suggest you tear out and hold on to, just in case you ever lose your whole Bible, this is the page to hold on to. It is the gospel of the gospel. It's the whole deal right there in just a few verses. So the reason Jesus told this story, Luke tells us, it's up on the screen, I think. No, it's not. My bad. The tax collectors and other notorious sinners often would come to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. He was even eating with them. So then Jesus told this story. So the religious elite didn't like who Jesus spent his time with. They didn't like that Jesus spent time with the social outsiders. It didn't make sense to them. It seemed meaningless. It was different. It was 
contrary to cultural norms. Jesus was choosing to live a life that was beyond their imaginations. Jesus was choosing to live out this dream of God. And to the religious, it just didn't make sense. It just was different. And it was a story beyond their imaginations. And it caused them to complain to Jesus for who he spent time with. And then Jesus chooses to tell these three stories. He talks first about sheep that are lost. He tells a story about sheep. That makes perfect sense in the first century to talk about sheep. The sheep were understood in the first century. It doesn't make as much sense to us. Anybody here own a sheep? See? It doesn't make sense. For us, if Jesus were retelling that story, I would suggest he might say, if one of you lost your dog, wouldn't you run out to find him? He wouldn't have said cat. I got an amen over there for that one. If one of you lost your dog, there are so many lessons to be learned in these stories. Remember, Jesus, though, is telling these stories to introduce a whole new way to live. A way for people to reorient their life. Not just to tell an interesting story. There's this important meaning for life in these stories. So he starts out talking about 100 sheep and one of them is missing. And some of the things that I pick up from that immediately are that lost things wander. And that's how they get lost. I have told this story before, but when I drive... Uh, I tend to get lost. I forget where I'm going. My wife, we've been married almost 29 years, 29 years in a few weeks, and she has learned that as we're driving together, that she will say to me, where are we going? And I know that that's code for she knows I'm going the wrong direction. It's not that I'm lost. I know where I'm at. It's just that I've decided to not go to where I'm supposed to be going. I just wander. So there I am in my Camry driving along in the wrong direction, and I don't realize it right away. I wander. And so lost things sometimes wander, and we don't realize we're lost until we've wandered. And the shepherd, though, searches. The shepherd makes a pretty bold decision, right? Leaves 99 who are safe and goes to find the one. And the shepherd rescues, swoops up that wandering sheep who may not even know it's lost, but yet brings it home. And then Jesus tells a story about a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Again, a story that they would understand because coins, everyone gets coins. But for us today, maybe it might be this. Suppose you lost your car keys. Ever been there? Know what I have to do for my keys? Because I, this is why I relate so well to Luke chapter 15. I have to have a basket near the front door that my wallet has to go into so I don't lose it and my keys go on a hook. Because I wash keys and I leave keys in places. I'm not allowed to have a key to this building. 
I'm not the one responsible for it, all right? Because if I had it, I'd be going back every week saying, yeah, we lost that key. The leadership lost that key. So he starts out with 100 sheep and one is lost. Now Jesus tells a story about 10 and one is lost. Notice it's heating up. See, at first it's just 1%. Now it's 10% is missing. Again, there's plenty of lessons here. Lost things not only wander, lost things sometimes are just misplaced. Sometimes lost things are neglected. But the woman still seeks And she keeps looking and looking and looking until she finds it. And the shepherd and the woman have this great concern for every sheep and every coin. And the shepherd and the woman in these stories celebrate when the sheep and the coin are found. And Jesus tells these stories in response to some religious people who are complaining because he's spending time socially with non-religious people. He's offering a different way to view the world. Instead of insiders and outsiders, he's suggesting there's a better way to live life. And then Luke tells us to illustrate the point further. Jesus told them this story. So he's already, Jesus feels he's made a point, or Luke believes that Jesus has made a point, that the shepherd goes and finds the sheep. And celebrates that the woman finds the coin and celebrates that things can wander away, that lost things wander, and that lost things can be neglected or just disappear. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. See the tension mounting? It was 100 sheep. It was 10 coins. Now it's two sons. It was 1% loss. Then it was 10% loss. Now it's catastrophic. Two sons and one is lost. And the story goes on that the son lives a horrid life. And we could talk about all the things that the son did, but we don't have time for that. But the son lived a horrid life after making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And the son loses everything. And the son is far away from home. And he is lost and believes that there is no hope. Because sometimes lost things willingly leave. But meanwhile, the story tells us that the father is waiting and watching. And when the son, my favorite two words in the Bible, three words, comes to his senses, four words. Yeah, four words. I could actually make up something about its two words in Greek, but I don't even know if it is. Is it, Randy? Sure, say it's two words. And as he's coming back to his home, the father sees him and runs to the son. Running would be thought to be beneath 
an elder in the first century. But he runs to his son. And there is this great reunion between father and son, and a party is thrown to celebrate. And so reading these stories, we can see that there's these common ideas that Jesus is teaching as he talks about sheep and coins and sons, that sometimes lost things wander, and sometimes lost things are misplaced, and sometimes lost things willingly leave, and that God loves all lost things, that God loves finding lost things, and God loves throwing parties for lost things that are found. But there's a different way to live. That's why Jesus is telling us this story, that the there's a world that's feeling lost, that there's a world that's feeling mixed up and broken. And it's just the world that has been like this since the beginning. And I'm reminded that in Genesis chapter 3, it, when Adam and Eve had, had messed up and when Adam and Eve had sinned, when they had made decisions that were against God's plan, it says that God was walking in the garden and he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? They were lost. And God's trying to find them. He's, where are you? And so on Saturday, yesterday, we were at Chick-fil-A for Couchella. I know a stupid name. <laughs> and while we were there, we, you know, our band played, and it was exciting, and there were hundreds of people there, and we had our tent set up with our name on it, and we had our logo on display, and our flags were out, and Chick-fil-A does a great job of partnering with us, and they love us and say wonderful things about us. And some of you were there volunteering, and that was terrific. And it was, a, you know, was it, is this the most beautiful day imaginable? Uh, this weekend has just been incredible. Like that you're here inside this building when there's no windows is just a, a testimony to your faith because it's beautiful outside. So after your soft pretzels, we'll go out there and do that. But, but, but here, here's, here's what I want you to hear is that this is what I was doing during that. I didn't have to play in the band because I don't do that. And, and there were people, Chris, and she had a team making the crafts for the kids. And so I didn't really have a job. But here's what I found myself doing, knowing that this was the message. I just kept looking around at all the people in this. There's this brokenness in our world, and there's this lostness in our world. And, and I'm like, I just want to, like, Hey, come over here. We found it, all right? There's this way to get through life. And it's not going to be found in a Google search. And it's not going to be found in, in, in any of those other things that we look for in life. It's not going to be found in a better job and a bigger house. or It's not going to be found in, in any of those, any social programs. It's going to be found through the church and through Jesus. And we have this brokenness in our world, and it's, there's this lostness that people are feeling. And there were people who came to our table, and they just were lost. And one woman, she's not, she's not here. She said, I, my daughter's asking me questions, and I don't have answers. Do you guys have stuff for kids? And we're like, yeah, we do. You should come. And she says, can I dress like this? I said, Chris said, yeah, you can. She was wearing all black, and she wanted to know if that was okay. There was another guy there who isn't here as well, but he promised me he was coming, and he said, what can I wear? And I said, I'll wear shorts tomorrow. I said, you can wear shorts. And he went, all right. 
and he said, I stay up till 5 a.m. on Fridays and Saturday nights. He goes, could you do a night service? I said, no. (laughs) Just this broken, lost world. And God loves lost things. And God loves those who are feeling lost. And God loves removing the feelings of lostness. And God throws parties when lostness is removed. But there's more to the story. Because remember, it said to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. He said, a man had two sons. There's two sons in this story. This is a story about two sons. This is a story about 100% loss, not 10% loss, not 1% loss. This is 100% loss. Verse 25, it's up on the screen. Now it's on the screen because this is where I should have said it's up on the screen. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on and the servant says your brother's back and your father has killed the fattened calf we're celebrating because of his safe return this is supposed to be great news everyone is invited to celebrate but there's this deep and dark anger and sibling rivalry i would say in this son's heart Because it goes on in verse 28, the older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him. I noticed in these stories, the God character is always searching, running, or going out. His father came out and begged him, and he replied, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. This son thought that by obeying the rules, he deserved a blessing. This son was living expecting to receive, to get something from his father. This son thought that his brother was beyond forgiveness. And this son resented his father's joy. One author said that anger and being unwilling to forgive is a pig pen of our own design. And this son teaches you don't have to travel to be far away. And you don't have to travel to get lost. Jesus talks about four lost things in these stories. Yes, sheep wander and coins are misplaced and some sons willingly leave while other sons are lost in anger and they're lost in resentment and they're lost in judgment. 
So then Jesus says in verse 31, this is how his story ends. It ends really interestingly. His father said to him, so the son just, you know, just had it out with his father. And the father says, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And we don't know what the son does. The parable is left unresolved. It's brilliant storytelling. It's brilliant. We're left wondering, what did the older son decide to do? Did he go inside? Is he reunited with his family? Is there this kumbaya happy moment at the end where they're all together celebrating the lives that they have now to spend together? Or does he remain outside? Jesus chooses to tell a choose-your-own-adventure story. Do you remember those? Remember those are the books, you could, the chapter books, right? You could, you could decide which page, what you, do, what you do next determines which page to go to. There's a show, actually, I'm going to encourage you to watch it on Netflix called Black Mirror. And there's an episode of Black Mirror. Anybody seen this episode? Uh, it's called um, uh, uh, um, uh, Bandersnatch. All right? It's a choose-your-own-adventure Netflix show. And as you're watching the show, you start out making decisions like which cereal does the person eat. And then depending on which cereal you choose, it jumps to the next scene. And it goes through the whole episode. Really, actually pretty brilliant. They actually got sued by Choose Your Own Adventure people. <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting in the story. But you choose the character's next move. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he leaves the story unresolved. And they, it's a choose your own adventure. And so God has a dream for you. God has a dream for me and our neighborhoods and the church and the world that lost things can be found. It's a whole new worldview. It's a whole new God view. It's a whole new way to reorient your life. That we can't be too far from God. That God chooses to search and God chooses to find and that God is longing for our safe return. That God is always active while there are lost things and that God chooses to throw parties. That the church should be about party throwing. That we should be about celebrating lost things that have been found. That we should be celebrating people that come to a concert in the summer or, or show up to a Chick-fil-A family night or come up to our table and say, I don't have the answers to the questions my daughter's asking. 
and we should be party celebrating that you can find those answers here, that there's a God that loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought about God in the past, that it will not matter that when you come back to God that he will run to you and he will greet you and you will, and you will want to say, hey, just treat me like a hired servant. I, I don't deserve it. But God instead is going to say, no, you are a son. You are a daughter. You're back in the family. You are part of this, <laughs> this place. And we get to choose our adventure. We get to choose our adventure. That there are people who are wandering and there are people who are lost and there are people who are willingly walking away and there are people living in anger and resentment and jealousy and pain. And God's dream is for people not to be lost. It's for you and me to be joined, joined in helping lost things to be found. And that the church should be party for. So I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come up and lead us in a closing song. So let me pray while the band comes up. And so, God, I thank you for the men and women in this room. I thank you, God, for the lives that are represented here, God, that we could, there are people here who could tell their lost stories. God, I, that there are people here who say, I was me, I was, I was the lost sheep, I wandered away. I was the lost coin, I just was neglected. I was the lost son, I just chose to leave i was the other son and i just lived in my anger and was lost in it and god we have stories of you rescuing us of you searching and finding of you coming and running to us and god we are we are so grateful that no matter where we were, no matter what we thought of you, no matter what we had done, God, you forgive us. And so we thank you for Jesus. And God, we are aware that there's this broken and lost and desperate world and they're finding and looking for answers and they, they're finding and looking, they're, they're searching for answers. The feeling of lostness is overwhelming. And God, we get to choose our own adventure. God, I am so grateful that I could be at a table yesterday in a parking lot and that you would remind me of why we had this place. That even in the midst of all the the housing developments and the cars and the careers and the schools. God, that we're still wandering in lostness. And God, I pray that we would choose to make a difference in the lives of the men and women who we interact with at our homes and at our workplaces and our neighborhoods. And God, if there's someone here who's never understood what it means to no longer feel lost. God, I pray that they would know that you love them, that you forgive them, and that you wrap your arms around them and you welcome them home. 
And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the one that loves us more than we can ever know. Amen.